Hey, welcome back to the podcast. This week, we're telling the story of British Airways Flight 38. Thanks for listening. One, two, three, bah! It always, to me, it sounds like you're like two seconds after me. I don't know why, but, but Brian makes it work, so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hi, Mariah. Hi, Casey. I'm so glad that you could join me this oh, evening. <laughs> I am thrilled to, to be here. Oh, um, yeah. So today we are telling the story of British Airways Flight 38. And uh, this flight actually took place January 17th, 2008. Wow. 2008. So... As we've already been very clear to our perhaps younger listeners, 2008 was two days ago. <laughs> like that was immediately before COVID hit. It was 2008. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, the uh, so this is there's not a single smoke on a single plane. This is like completely like the modern era, to say the least. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so we're flying on a beautiful triple seven. The, you know, uh plane that i really love just because that's the plane that we flew back and forth when i worked for jal that was the plane that we had at jfk flying yeah. back and forth to tokyo i love triple sevens they're beautiful most folks have been on a triple seven um if you're not sure if you're having a hard time picturing it it's a big plane two four two seating in the back and uh, one huge engine on each wing so um the flight is from Beijing to Heathrow in London. So 13 hours, <laughs> 13 and a half hours, actually. Yeah, long, long flight. flight, super long flight. And uh, so we've got three pilots because it's a super long flight. They need to take turns. They need naps. Uh, 13 flight attendants who also get naps and 136 passengers. So not super full, but not super empty. Like, I don't know what their layout is, but our plane, our 777, like Giles 777, sat, I think, 244 people, if that gives you a sense. So so yeah. not not bad, not bad for such a long flight. Um, we have Captain Peter, First Officer John, and other First Officer Connor. So good British lads with yeah. good British names. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, flying from Beijing to Heathrow. And uh, for 13 hours of this 13 and a half hour flight, nothing happened. Just a smooth flight. Uh, like. Just nothing. Everything's fine. 13 hours, they took their naps. They ate their meals. They chit-chat. They did their checks. They, like, you know, all the checks that we've talked about before. They've got the autopilot doing its thing. Check, like, the fuel temps. Check the, you know, like, that they're on track. Make sure that every, they're using the right amount of fuel, blah, blah, blah. Like, they're doing all their checks hourly, half hourly, whatever. But for the most part, it's just smooth sailing, right? They uh, are... Flying in this route, it brings them over Siberia, Mongolia, Scandinavia, and now down into 
toward the UK. Again, take out your little map in your mind. <laughs> Chase the plane. Hey, like it's the middle of the day. People said that Peter really liked this flight because it was in the middle of the day. And if it was pretty clear, you can still see stuff and it's pretty beautiful, right? Flying over these beautiful tundras of Siberia, Mongolia, Scandinavia in January. And then they come on down and they're just getting ready to land. That's mm. it. Flight's flight's done. We're home. Peter and John are the pilots who are actually flying the plane. Specifically, John's flying. Peter's like monitoring. He's, you know, doing all the other duties while um, John actually is going to physically land the plane. Uh, Connor is in the cockpit uh, f- for this portion. He's just sitting there getting ready to punch out. Like they're done. Yeah. Done. So uh, they are, as they're descending, it has been a smooth flight, mm. comfy, no problems. As they're descending from, you know, whatever, 42,000 feet, they're coming down. And as they descend close to Heathrow, around a thousand feet, so way closer to the ground, they start to hit like turbulence, right? Which is normal. You pass through the clouds, you get a little wind. That's everybody who's ever been on a plane knows that when you're landing, when you're taking off, that's when you tend to have turbulence because you're passing through clouds, air currents, all that. Uh, The wind was actually kind of serious. It was 20 to 30 knots, which for small aircraft would be a deal breaker. But for a big plane like this, it's it's nothing Mm. right. It's it's it bops them around a little bit. They're fine. They're pros. Right. It's a triple seven. Nothing's wrong. So they uh, get like bopped around a little. Uh, John actually says like, that's not me. That's just the turbulence, which I think is like, oh, baby, we know. We right. know it's not you. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> um, they are uh, coming down. They're, they're about two minutes before landing. They are close. They get cleared to land. Right. And uh, get told their runway and they're setting up uh, an ILS approach for anybody who doesn't know. uh, An ILS approach is where uh, the plane is going to do most of the landing by itself. Right. Uh, But they are going to use the autopilot pretty much up until the end. And then uh, our boy John is going to manually land the plane. Uh, so they're cleared to land, lined up. They can see the airport. John says, Pete, I can't get any power to the engines. Uh Uh-oh. Pete looks at the panel, looks down at the throttles, and both of them suddenly realize that even though they have the throttles pushed all the way forward, full power... They are getting virtually no power from the engines out of nowhere, without a light, without a buzz, without a warning, nothing, both engines, nothing, nothing. They are at this point 700 feet above the ground. There is no time. They're going to be on the ground in seconds, no matter what. Oof. 
This is the worst imaginable moment to have engine failure. There is nowhere to go. They've already reduced their speed. They've already extended the flaps. They've already extended the gear. This is happening. They are, because they have flaps extended and the gear down, they also have tons of drag. They were already slowing the plane down. They are falling fast and slowing down fast. This is happening so Suddenly, so quickly, the plane is going to crash into something in a matter of seconds. John and Peter look down and see that between them and the runway, which they can see, are houses, like highways, gas stations, all kinds of things. And so they're trying to figure out what to do. There is so, so little action they can take in this moment. Uh, John kept flying. Peter didn't take control. Peter, John and Connor are all doing trying to figure out what they can possibly do in these last seconds. Should they raise the gear to reduce the drag? John says, like, let's lift up the gear so that we can reduce the drag. And Peter says, no, we're going to need we're going to need the gear to take the impact. We need something between us and the ground when we hit the ground because we're going to hit the ground. They leave the gear down, but Peter has to, in literally seconds, decide whether to leave the tra- the flaps extended or retract them. And without going into everything, if the flaps are extended, the plane will fly, uh, will descend slower, but it won't fly as far. And if they retract the flaps, the plane will fly further, but fall faster. And he has to, with no math, no time to do it, just use his best judgment and figure out if he's going to, which is better, which of those two is better. Because again, they're going to hit the ground in like 10, 9, 8, 7. He retracts the flaps and they can see the fence and the antenna at the edge of the airport are right in front of them. They know that they're going to hit it right now. At this moment, Peter yells into the radio, mayday, mayday, impact. Oh, my God. As the plane hits the ground, the nose gear instantly collapses and the cockpit slams into the ground. The right rear landing gear stabs up through the fuel, the center fuel tank, and into the cabin. The left landing gear rips through the left wing. The plane slides on the ground and stops. Oh, my God. When the plane stopped, Peter, John, and Connor realize that they're still alive. But they know that the plane has torn apart behind them. Oh, God, no. They immediately do their evacuation checklists. Boom, boom, boom. Turn off the engines and aren't doing anything. Turn, 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 turn. Uh, And then yell, evacuate, evacuate, evacuate. The badass flight attendants start, you know, open the doors, start screaming at people to get out of the plane one at a time. Bam, bam, bam. 
as so Peter's the captain of the plane and so he knows that he he's going to be the last one off the plane they can smell the fuel everywhere and they know that again that center fuel tank has gotten punctured so they know the plane is about to catch on fire Peter braces himself because he knows that as he goes down the body of the plane to look if there's anybody trapped or injured or still alive he knows he's going to see Bodies of people who have died, who are alive 20 seconds ago. Mm. It runs down the body of the plane and it's empty. There's not a single person, not a body, no one on the plane. Gets off the plane. Every single person lived. Oh my God. Oh my God. Every single person Every single person, there was, there were like 46 injuries that were mild, meaning like cuts, scrapes, usually stuff from the evacuation. There was one serious injury and I was actually able to find it because sometimes serious injuries are like, you know, back broken. Right. Horrible, horrible things. Right. The one serious injury, I'm not trying to minimize, but it was (laughs) a broken leg and a concussion. And I'm not. Listen, no, I'm no. not at all. I don't want to minimize. No, we're not in the business I'm so of glad minimizing that it wasn't anything. Worse, right? No, I'm just so glad it wasn't worse. Right. Everybody lived except the plane. <laughs> plane baby did not live. The plane out. They did not. Re- yeah, I'm gonna tell you right now. They don't repair, repair this plane. The plane is Thank toast. God. Good. But everybody lived. Yes, oh Peter, Connor, John. <laughs> wow. In the moment. In the moment when they were about to leave the cockpit after they had just finished the checklists. Peter looked at Connor and John and said, this is not our fault. We did nothing wrong. And I know, which I really appreciate. (laughs) I feel that so so much. But right, right. You literally, I know this plane is going to crash and it's not our fucking fault. Oh, right. Exactly. You live that every day. But the, he, and I, I, I think that like God bless Peter, A plus Peter, and I think that was probably very comforting to those men in that moment because I'm positive that would be an idea that would be going through their minds. I also think that like everybody else, you're not trying just trying to convince others; you're trying to convince yourself, right? Because right. that is exactly the energy Peter brought into the investigation. Yes, right? he did. So, Everybody lived. We love it. So everybody lived. Yes, this is great. And honestly, when the like British investigative body that's going to see, you know, what happened, figure out why the plane crashed, when they showed up, they they were pretty sure that the investigation portion was going to be a breeze because they have everything. Right. They have all three pilots. They have the plane. Yeah. There's no fire. A fire never broke out. They have everything. This should be easy peasy, right? They should be able to figure it out right away. So they interviewed the pilots. Um, our boy Peter was very like, here's what happened. <laughs> yeah. We did nothing wrong. John did nothing wrong. Connor did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. And they <laughs> were like, yeah, yep. <laughs> and uh, so they took their statements and they are... 
getting ready to like go through the they take their statements they take the cvr the fdr meaning the flight data recorder the um, cockpit voice recorder uh they take our boy's statements they um also on this aircraft on the triple sevens there's a um quick like access recorder that's uh like a an additional flight data recorder basically Mm. it just takes extra measurements and it's meant to be kind of easier for investigators to get some baseline information right away right um so what what happened to this plane now a triple seven as we've mentioned before and i think at the beginning of this very episode is the triple sevens are incredibly popular planes right super popular planes there are thousands of triple sevens flying around the world this is a a beautiful famous iconic plane which means they gotta really gotta know what happened right right? when something like this happens it shakes everybody up because they don't know what crashed it and they don't know if it's something that could happen in another plane they we need to know right and they think they're gonna know in like days they're showing up like confident i'm not gonna say cocky because they're good at what they do i'm sure, (laughs) sure but confident and uh, so they look at the flight data recorder. They look at the basic information they got. And uh, the quick access recorder is the first thing they can access immediately. And it didn't, it doesn't have the last 45 seconds of the flight. It just doesn't have that information. Huh. Which, right. Which means that it, it doesn't have the the part of the flight where the crash happened right um but it also makes them think maybe it's an electrical malfunction Mm. so the way uh this kind of triple seven works the like if a pilot like inputs something right they press a button they turn a toggle a turnal whatever they like it doesn't that action doesn't trigger the response from the plane that input goes to a computer and the computer triggers a response to the plane if that makes sense so if there's a computer failure or an electrical failure then that could explain what's going on right um but nope turns out that quick access recorders uh just are on a 45 second lag or this one was on a 45 second lag so it was just it's it's just a yeah it's nothing the plane right. and nobody had recorded any like electrical problems right nobody had reported any problems with um you know the lights or their displays messing up or they, there's no reason to think there was an electrical failure right so it's not an electrical failure okay so um maybe it's something wrong with the fuel um maybe they're out of fuel right we remember that can happen sometimes sometimes planes run out of fuel when they're not supposed to um the they there's fuel everywhere which points away from that but they also checked the just the dipsticks like the one you have in your car for oil um and no the plane had the expected amount of fuel um is the fuel dirty maybe maybe dirty fuel or something in the fuel tank that blocked it Mm. so they take the fuel tank out they take everything apart and uh they do find some stuff in the fuel tank they found some tape they found some little bits of plastic 
stuff left over from when the plane was built, which is not great, but none of that stuff is actually what caused it. All that stuff was like not stuck in the thing. It was just just in the bottom of the tank. Yeah, just, right. Just living there where no one can see it. So not the best thing, not the cause <laughs> of the, the accident, right? So like maybe something wrong with the engine, something wrong with the, you know, and, and nothing's wrong with the engines. The engines are working totally normal. The problem is definitely like the problem with the engines really looks like fuel starvation. It really looks like the plane ran out of fuel, mm. but the plane had fuel. Right. So you think, OK, so it's something between the fuel and the engine. Right. Something's blocking that. There's no blockage. They tested the fuel to see if it was contaminated. Maybe our old enemy Cathon. Nope. Everything's fine. <laughs> they. So a thing that blocks fuel, right, is ice. Ice does oh, that. Right. Ice is something that blocks the fuel and then isn't there anymore, right? right? When you go to look. And what's this, February, um, you said? It's February over Siberia? Uh, January, even. January, Yeah, okay. January over Siberia. Exactly. So so ice, right? Um, but they, A, our boy Peter is not taking, he is not going to take any kind of pilot error. <laughs> no. He did nothing wrong. And he asserts accurately that he had routinely personally checked the uh, fuel temperature, right? It's something that they have that they can keep an eye on. For reference, it's 35, negative 35 degrees Celsius Jeez. is the, like where it's right. Super cold, which is pretty much the same in Fahrenheit, by the way, it's negative 35 Celsius and Fahrenheit are extremely close yeah. temperatures. Um, and so it's, fine right it should be there there there's no reason to think that there was ice it looked like the heating element was working properly yeah. so a little bit of like let's learn about planes there's something called an f-o-h-e system right the way it works is that the there's hot oil moving through the plane right to keep the engines running and they have a system where what I want you to picture is if you bought a box of straws, a new box of straws, right? Okay. Something no one would do in 2022, I'm sure. Plastic straws. <laughs> but you have a box of your pa your paper or plastic straws. <laughs> and if you open it up and just like hold them all in your hands, right? So mm -hmm. like a bunch of little tubes, mm -hmm. right? So that's what the FOHE system is. It's a bunch of tubes, like a bunch of straws. And around them, like all those tubes are surrounded by hot oil mm. the hot oil that's going through the rest of the system and so the fuel passes through those those um those hot straws <laughs> and <laughs> then into the engine and that's to make sure that there's no ice it's a really efficient system it's clearly working right planes aren't having this problem every day uh and so and that system, the FOAG system on this aircraft was fine. There was nothing wrong with it. So they are like legitimately getting frustrated and like embarrassed because Peter won't let them blame it on pilot error. <laughs> and it's it's just nothing. Everything seems fine. They just can't figure out what happened to this plane. But it definitely crashed and 
they go through all the data and it does not give them the answer. So they're like, let's just get more data. So they ask for all of the uh, available data on every triple seven of the same type that had done a route like this one, like Shanghai to Heathrow in the last like two years. So if it was like, it, like I'm trying to think of an example, Alaska to Tokyo or, or maybe um, New York to Tokyo, honestly, that goes over the Antarctic or the over the Arctic Ocean, things like that. So anybody who've had a long haul, really super long haul flight that went over the Arctic in a triple seven, they wanted that data and honestly, almost certainly got the data, honestly, from the gel planes because Maybe they had a 747 back then. But anyway, they get data from 144,000 flights. My God. Like, literally the number of Jehovah's Witnesses that are going to heaven. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm definitely going to have to delete that. <laughs> that's how many, f- <laughs> that's how much data they got. Yeah. <laughs> So, so we love our Jebu <laughs> listeners. It's fine, but um, the they get all of this information and they go through all of it to see if there's anything like this that had ever happened. And literally, the only thing they can think of is like, guys, it literally has to be ice. I don't know how it happened. I don't know why it happened, but it clearly something something blocked fuel from going from here to here Hmm. fuel couldn't get through these pipes something had to block it whatever was blocking it isn't there anymore it had to be ice while over the they thought it was going to be days for them to investigate this flight before they have a good sense of it it has been years they are cannot figure it out while all this is happening in america a Delta flight is flying from Shanghai to Atlanta, I think, and is over the U.S. close to the end of its flight at 33,000 feet, has both engines suddenly stop working, Uh-oh. right? Lose engine power. They start to, like, descend. They kept their heads on straight. The pilots did a good job. And then it went back to normal engines are working now right so they have another flight where the same thing happened except that one happened at altitude instead of happening at 700 feet you know 200 meters where it's going to be too close to the ground to do anything about it and so that made them in researching that flight in researching all of this data in researching their flight and just feeling like it has to be the thing that The only thing that makes sense, it has to be that, even if we can't figure out how to prove it. It has to be ice. Right. So now they're married to this. It's ice. They're going to prove it's ice. They're going to start with a conclusion and they're going to back it up with something. Right. So they literally build like the system, the fuel system, um, like a triple seven in like a chamber where it would go through the fluctuations, temperature fluctuations, altitude fluctuations, all of that. As if it was going through the entire flight that BA-38 had taken. Mm. 
and they just watched it. So they made all of the conditions identical and then they just watched it wow. to see what would happen to see if it right. Because they just need to put this thing to bed, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> they need to figure it out. And they watch it. And what happens is as the plane, so as the plane's flying over Siberia, ice formed around the like around the fuel line that feeds fuel into the FOHE. So the line that feeds the fuel in to the heating system uh, before it hits the engine. That's not that unusual. That's kind of a neutral thing. That happens. So there's ice forming around it. It's not totally blocking the fuel. Fuel's still getting through, right? Like, like plaque on an artery right right like it's just around the edge the fuel's still going through and the thing is is it was a super smooth flight in like 10 hours of flying they never had to increase the power to the engines not even one time so there was either equal fuel running through or slightly less. There was never like an increase of fuel. So they had never pushed the throttles forward. They had never increased the power. They had never, therefore the engines had never needed additional fuel. So the ice got really solid around the edge of the, um, like just around the inside of the fuel line, right? So then as they're descending, all of that ice is pretty intact because it was such a smooth flight and nothing had disturbed it. Hmm. So as they're coming down, uh, they hit that turbulence, which shook the plane up a little bit, and then they increased the fuel. They opened the valves, increased the fuel, and when they did that, the combination of the increased fuel and the... Um, the shaking movement from the turbulence suddenly dislodged all of that ice, all of that sludge, and crammed all of it into the top of the FOHE, basically like plopping yogurt on top of that pile of straws right. or whatever. Just bam, it it couldn't go through. And it, again, would have melted in another like 10, 15 seconds, but they had no time because they were so close to the ground. So it blocked the the thing that's made to melt it for a matter of seconds for just long enough to cause the crash. So they got it. Jeez. Got their answer. They got their answer and they like proved it. Right. Brought it to Boeing. <laughs> the solution w to fixing it, the way to fix it, was so easy oh and so simple. So it was really easy. But, like, all I can think is, I'm not trying to be funny, but, like, the plane had a heart attack. Yeah, literally. That is literally what happened. It literally <laughs> had a heart attack. And it did. just the poor plane. The poor plane. The only the only casualty of this flight. Thank God. But... Right, thank God. The only nobody died, right? Except the plane, and they figured out what was wrong. And again, triple sevens are unbelievably common, unbelievably popular planes, and Boeing just repair, like fixed this this failure wow. in every single one. Easy. 
And it hasn't happened since. Those are and that's, these are the best yeah. kinds of plane crashes, to be honest. No casualties. Oh. Fix a quick problem that never happens again. These are like Absolutely. your ideal crashes. Right. Not for and the problem wasn't like wasn't like I don't know, selfish exactly. greed or whatever. The problem the problem was literally just something they hadn't thought of yeah. that a plane would fly over Siberia without ever <laughs> increasing its fuel needs for ten hours. Right. You know, that's just Right. Yeah. Which wow. really makes me think about how many like how hard it is to be a like an engineer who builds planes. Oh my god. Who designs yeah. planes. I use just uh, infinite things. Well, I just don't I don't know. The mind is just such a different it's like a different process. You have to think differently. Like just totally. as an engineer. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. You have to think of so many and you you can never I mean, I know teams do this and obviously engineers who are working today are building off the work of, you know, decades of people um doing, you know, learning and making mistakes and making poor design choices. But like, it's so hard to, you, you never know what you don't know. It is always the first time something happened. Like the first time there was this exact, you know, accident chain or, you know, these exact things happen. But yeah, Jeez. I love this. I love that everybody lived. This is a great I, story. I know. I love Peter telling everybody we did nothing wrong. You were right, Pete. You were right. You were right, my dude. God. They were. Oh, and I didn't even. So Peter's decision to retract the flaps is 100% what saved them. Oh, they did the simulations. Yes. If he hadn't retracted the flaps, if he had left them alone, which again, it's not like he would have been some horrible monster right. if he did that. I I can it is very easy to imagine leaving the flaps extended when you're trying not to lose lift, right? right? Like I I don't know. Anyway, he retracted the flaps and uh if he hadn't then they would have crashed into because of the different glide slope, they would have crashed into the fence and antennas. Yeah. Instead of just, just missing them. And that would have, uh, I mean, it's hard to guess exactly how that would have affected things, but it would have, at a, I mean, it would have made probably the front of the plane crash wow. into the ground and then the plane would have snapped. Ugh. I don't know. Yeah, Peter it, feels it, it really... so good. He was oh, so fucking Peter. relieved at this result. Nobody. Oh, yeah. Ugh. That feeling is the greatest oh, yeah. feeling in the world. <laughs> Just like, like that relief. Yes, that vindication and relief of like, oh, I knew I could believe in myself. Right. It is like that, right? When you when you say like, no, no, I got this. Right. And then when you actually do it, you're like, fuck yeah. Oh, you. <laughs> right. Yeah, I do got this. Okay. <laughs> like, I knew I didn't do anything God. wrong. But yeah. And like, I, uh, I can't even imagine on the scale of flying a plane. With mm -mm. 200 passengers or whatever, like, no, or 100, right. whatever, but. 153 souls, I think. Yeah, it was, um, 
I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. And I also, honestly, the the investigators who are trying to figure it out, yeah. who just I can just imagine the frustration because it would be, I feel like it would be embarrassing. I feel like there's no way their colleagues, maybe not. I don't know what the vibe is in the <laughs> office, right? But they're not all working on this flight. So I can really easily imagine somebody being like, Hey, Jerry, like I've closed 19 cases in the time you've been working on this one where you have the pilots, the plane, you have literally everything, (laughs) you know, I just and maybe not. Maybe everyone was great, but I I just don't think there's an office in the world where there isn't a little bit of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's got to be. Yeah. And these are like cop types, right? Right. They're investigators. Maybe not cop types, but some detective yeah, types. Yeah, detective. So, SVU yeah. types. SVU types, exactly. A little bit of friendly competition. <laughs> right. Plus, let's be honest, Brits, I love you. Uh, a really healthy number of you listening right now are, <laughs> are British, and we love you so much. Yeah, we do. You guys, to us, to, like, when our cultures meet in, like, beautiful moments of cross-cultural like intra-english <laughs> friendship you guys are a little mean <laughs> yeah. by our standards <laughs> like i little. love you i know it's just how you like take the piss or whatever like god bless you i'm glad you all have thick skin i think it's a little mean because <laughs> we're americans and i don't know babies. but yeah we're just little babies we can't don't take the piss out of us <laughs> i need that like it's just yeah but so yeah, I don't know. Oh God, <laughs> am I wrong? You, no, you've I was known gonna British say. People. I think we're gonna have to cut this. But I was gonna say we didn't fight in the revolution. <laughs> but I think that's probably too far. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I love, I love like. It's so funny to me. I know we've talked about this before. I've probably talked about it on here before. But like, I have that. Like, I'm so incredibly profoundly down to talk about like the many bad things that the American government has done. Oh my God, all the the time. Like real issues, like the, the always. Right. But there is like a line and I have no idea where it is, (laughs) but (laughs) there's like this line where people will just like go a little too far. Cause people like when I travel will like sometimes just like ruthlessly make fun of you just for being American. Like you don't have to open your mouth. You don't have to do anything. It's some people not normal, not common. It just happens sometimes. They get drunk, whatever. Europeans are are drunk. So they make fun of you, whatever. (laughs) And then, and like, there's like, I'm like, okay, 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 okay. And then there's like a line and all of a sudden I'm like, you'd always be speaking German (laughs) if it wasn't for us. Like just, just totally like, I don't know what happens. Just red, white, and blue. These colors don't run. Just bleeds. Like stuff that (laughs) just, yeah, I don't know what happens, guys. It's the, um. So now that I've alienated every single listener, (laughs) every single one. It's the conditioning, guys. We can't help it. Can't help it, man. Not our fault. Can't help it. It's actually it's it. actually very funny that the conversation leaned this way because mm. um my fact for the week I was going to Ooh. go on about uh like a nick like the names of New York or whatever between like the Dutch and um the English and oh, yeah. I was mm-hmm. like you know what fuck it because fuck colonialism and fuck everything so instead of a fact, I'm just going to tell everybody about a lovely little website um, mm-hmm. that I've been using for the past couple of years. 
but it's um so it's fairly new i will say it's pretty new um and it's a canadian website of course because canadians are amazing um mm-hmm. and it's essentially this nonprofit has mapped out all of the indigenous um like tribes and languages and treaties and they've wow. kind of combined it into a map um mm. and it's like completely free and you can um you can like go on there and use it and see um essentially whose land you're living on um and you can go to native-land.ca um and it's yeah it's native dash land native da- <laughs> native dash this is for the recording Mariah god damn it no one's gonna native- get to the website God damn it. Dot CA. I'm just gonna keep saying it. Native dash land dot CA. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. (laughs) No. The um oh i i have used great. i've used that before and it is really interesting and it's always kind of a funny thing because like the island of manhattan please correct me if i'm wrong but i think the island of manhattan was like a, a shared space yes right? yeah so it was a lot of the area like, shared I think was, hunting and fishing. was shared right and so it's kind of like a i mean shared land doesn't mean nobody owns it it is like a really interesting i don't know how yeah, do like you... concept right because yeah. everything's so divided the, the now, li- we just don't have a concept to that culturally. Like, there's nothing really equivalent. I guess, like, neighborhoods, right. I don't... But that we don't really have anything equivalent now. Not between countries no. like that. No, That, um... When you said Canada's great, and Canada is great. Love you. <laughs> I hear a butt um, coming. No, no, no. <laughs> I love all of you. I love the... F- French Canadians and your wacky accents, <laughs> one of my favorite accents in the world. Um, some occasionally in my life, I've had the great honor of a Canadian person saying, like to me, like affectionately, like, "Oh, you're like an honorary Canadian." Yes. <laughs> and for some reason, something in that, like, it's I love. I would totally move to Canada. Oh yeah, I love you, Canada. I would get a dual citizenship. Something about that just again like activates yes. that part of my brain yeah. where it's like, no, Never. no, I'm American. Right. right. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Right. It's it's but, like, from being a border cost? kid. I really think a, a border city kid. Yeah, like, it is. Yeah. They like you know. Yeah. Just a rivalry. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's the getting cut off by Ontario license plates (laughs) repeatedly and then driving to Toronto and getting pulled over when you're like going five miles an hour (laughs) underneath everybody. That's what does it, guys. No, no, Canadians are great. We love you. Love you to death. Love you to death. Honestly, the most genius thing I've ever seen done was by a Canadian where, you know, they go over to the malls. I've probably told the story a thousand times. They go over to the malls, they buy all the shit and then they fucking put it in suitcases so they don't have to claim it. So good. Bingo. Bingo. The malls in America. Amen. Yep. Just no problem. Yeah. The, um, there's <laughs> Brian and I, this is not a joke. Brian and I, my husband and I sing the Canadian national anthem yeah. sometimes yeah. in our home. Um, lately edited <laughs> to be about other things. It's a great tune. Right. But that's the thing. Like, of course we were saying that like, 
we know the Canadian national anthem. Right. I know the Canadian oh, yeah. national anthem by heart yeah. because we're border kids. Right. Like because I because it's from hockey games. Yes. Really, that's what it is. It's at every hockey. sporting event. I mean, even high school events, we sang the Canadian national anthem. There's Canadian flags yeah. at our high school. One hundred percent. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. It's yeah. real. I think all the buildings downtown, yeah. like all the government buildings, have both flags too. Yeah. I know that the airport, Buffalo Airport does. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes <laughs> sense. I mean, a third of the people who fly through there are Canadians. Yeah. So we love you. We love, we love you. you Canada. Is what we're saying. If if any of you uh particularly French Canadians want to just like send us an audio <laughs> clip, it'd be great. Love your accents. Great accent. A plus accent. Um the uh yeah. And then that's it. The episode is going to end <laughs> with you and show. Brian singing the Canadian national anthem remix. It could, it could, it could. I I can't tell if I'm. I might leave this out. <laughs> my my dad. So part of the reason why I know the Canadian national anthem is because hockey games. Yes, right? of course. And my dad would tell us to sing the end of it because the last line of the canadian national anthem <laughs> is oh canada we stand on guard for thee hmm. and my dad was like you do stand on guard for canada because america's Stop. military protects canada <laughs> and so he wanted us to sing that part and like i just need you <laughs> to know this is part. like what my life was like yeah. this is the life i i've had yes. but also conditioned i feel like right this is, <laughs> this is the condition but also it's a little bit like the Canadian military has has gone to war with America's stuff so many times. Yeah. Like they yeah. like we should add that I don't know, whatever. We're gonna we're canceled. We're canceled. Just canceled. Just we're already canceled. Alienated every single Oh my listener. god. Okay. That's the episode, guys. Yeah, if that's this it. is somehow your first episode, this is just what the show is. Um, I don't think we usually insult so many people. <laughs> but we love you all. Um we do. We actually do. That's why. Love Canadians, Jehovah's Witnesses, <laughs> um, British people, French Canadians. Yeah. Uh, Who would we live out? We don't love colonizers, uh, Native Americans, though. whose land we're living on. Yeah, we do love them. Um, we love everybody. If you're listening to this, I love you. Yes. And, um, yeah, I love you, Mariah. I love you, Casey. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Pod Crashed. We so hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you noticed anything we got wrong or if you want to have a chat with us for any reason at all, you can email us at thepodcrashed at gmail.com or find us on Instagram and TikTok. A lot of you have been doing that lately and it's been really, really, really nice to get to chat with you more. Thank you so much for those of you who have sent us pictures and just, it's just great. And uh, if any of you are musical artists, uh, please send us your music if you'd like us to play it at the end of each episode. Uh, it's been really fun to get to hear some of your music, and we'd love to uh, showcase more musicians if we can. Um, we're working on a few things. Uh, one is obviously the Buffalo episode. I'm sorry. It's 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 getting done, guys. I swear. I promise. Uh, to the second podcast, we 
are uh, working on it. So you can look out for that. And three, we're trying to get back to weekly uploads. So see if that doesn't happen in the next little bit. I know that we're not great at doing what we say we'll do, um, but it's always just us doing our best. So hope you're well. Love you all. Have a great evening. Thanks for listening.